name is Christina, and thank you for checking into the Home for Wayward OCs. This is a podcast where a friend and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. Today is a momentous day because this is, in fact, my first ever live recording because our guest today is my friend and now new roommate, Shaylin. Woo! Hi, I'm Shaylin! <laughs> Apologies if you get a little bit giggly. We both have had... Long days. Yes, and this is my first time doing a podcast, so I'm excited for this. Well, as I have already told Shaylin, podcasting is a memetic disease, so... <laughs> I've already caught it. <laughs> so, oops, sorry, not sorry. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the memetic disease that is podcasting. We're here today to talk about uh, one of your original characters and story that you have created. So what is the name of this, Shaylin? Well, the name of the character is Clarissa, only she goes by Claire, and she's not really the most important part of all of this, because she existed simply to be me in this magical world called Nevjurnia. I mean, I did literally say that this is a home for self-inserts, so she has a place here. I'm glad for that, because she's about the most self-insert that you could ever get. <laughs> oh, bring it on, Shaylin, bring it on. <laughs> all right. So how do you want me to start here? Um, how about just like the basic intro premise of Nevdrunia? So this is the story of Nevdrunia, a magical land that I invented with my little siblings when I was 13, or actually I was younger than 13. I'm getting some very serious drama <laughs> eyebrows right now, listeners, I want you all to know. Yes, very drama eyebrows, because this is a very drama story, because when you're 13, that's how things roll. Oh yeah, we, um, we just, for context in the of when this is recorded, um, we, both of us with our friend uh, Becca, just watched Kiki's Delivery Service last night for the first time. It's and because, delightful. It is delightful. But because uh, Kiki and Tombo, who I kept calling Griffin McElroy, are <laughs> both right around 13, I kept, every time Kiki would have a reaction to something, I'd say, 13-year-olds. So, yeah. Drama well, is to be expected. Drama is to be expected. And to be fair, I was more like... Twelve and a half exactly when all this was happening. Oh, so that exactly. provides some context. It's it's very important that Clarissa is thirteen because that's half a year older than I was. Okay. Yes, this is very important. Also, as you'll find out later, uh, Nevdrunia also became a novel for a hot second, and uh, all the characters were thirteen, every single one of them. All right. Okay. <laughs> So, Nevdrunia started, I was always really into telling stories to my little siblings. I am the oldest of seven, so there's lots of opportunities for that. Oh, yes. And uh, I had started homeschooling in fifth grade and found myself with some extra time on my hands. And there was one day, um, and I do remember it very vividly, when I was out with my little brother Nick, and we were sitting in the hammock, and I was just telling him the story of a magical land, and it got more and more involved than it ever did, than it ever normally did, and we wound up calling this magical land Nevdrunia, which is kind of for Neverland, Drune, and Narnia, only we're not allowed to admit that, because this is a completely original name. OC, 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 uh, hashtag TM, do not seal. <laughs> All of that. Yes. So, Nevdrunia... Like, it must have all happened over the course of only about two years, but to me, it's basically my entire childhood. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very strange realizing that I was in basically probably fifth grade when this all started, because that's when I started homeschooling, and Nick and I had our first magical adventure in Nevdrunia. Um, but it started, it started just as me building a story as I go, and then really quickly blossomed into all of my little siblings, except the baby who, you know, was a baby, um, yeah. <laughs> all playing Nevdrunia in the backyard. And really, it was a plain make-believe, um, only I was much too old for normal make-believe, so it was kind of more like LARPing, only I didn't know what LARPing was, and so, yeah, you know. Fair. I mean, to be fair... You never really grow out of make-believe, it just becomes named by different things. So instead of having make-believe now as adults, we have, we have, we have LARPing, we have role-playing, we have tabletop games, we have self-insert fanfic. <laughs> and I didn't have any of the vocabulary for that, so it was just playing Nevdrunia. Mm -hmm. Or going to Nevdrunia, because you go to Nevdrunia, you don't just sit and talk about it. Okay. So, the way to get into Nevdrunia is to go to the side yard at the old house with the red bricks. 
and everybody has to get in a line and climb along the garden fence for our next door neighbor, balancing precariously on this fence, which was only like eight inches high, but it's like much bigger in my imagination, right? Of course. So you climb up this fence and then there was this giant oak tree in the side yard that had a little circle swing on it. So you had to bodily fling yourself onto the swing, landing on it with your feet. There was many a mishap. And then swing across the endless chasm of the abyss. Okay. Which was like a two-inch deep trench that my brother dug with the garden trowel and my parents were very upset about. But you had to swing over that. Of course. And then you go and kick the house and declare which part of Nefjunia you were in. I don't, I don't know why we kicked the house. Don't give me that luck. <laughs> okay. You just do because this is how you get into Nefjunia. And it was... I do. I'm just questioning why getting into Nefjunia <laughs> involves property damage. Well, it's brick. It's a little bit hard to damage. You're much more likely to damage your almost always bare feet because I hated shoes. You still hate shoes. I still hate shoes. <laughs> shoes are the worst, man. Um, so really, it just kind of started off as us being stereotypical little kids playing sticks or swords. Only later we got like real plastic swords, which was pretty epic. Um, <laughs> but you know, sticks with swords and I had this white cape that I always wore that mm -hmm. I had for an Arwen costume and that thing went with me everywhere. Yeah. Um. How long did it stay white? Oh, <laughs> uh, not very long. I still have that thing though. It might come out at Halloween. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but all of us had costumes that we would dress up in and when it started we would just go out and play. We were l playing little kids even though I was like 12 and a half. Mm -hmm. And, but over time, it really grew. Some of our neighbors got involved and they would go on adventures with us in Nevjunia. Um, each of the lands in Nevjunia corresponded to a landmark in the yard. So okay. we had like the Cliffs of Insanity, which was a little rock wall. Of course. Um, we had the entire Elven Kingdom, which consisted of a single evergreen tree that was excellent for climbing. Okay. Um, we had the far lands of, they had different names all the time, but they were always the really scary places where monsters lived, and that was the vacant lot. Oh, yes, the Shadowlands. The Shadowlands. <laughs> you cannot go where the light does not touch, Simba. <laughs> you also cannot go where your parents say you're not allowed, like the vacant lot, only we went there all the time. <laughs> you know, that's what makes it more of an adventure. Yeah, that's true. So we had all of the neighbor kids get involved, and then at one point, um, some good friends of ours, Marlena and Christina, not Christina, Christina Woods, um, but... Yeah, no, that'd be really weird. That would be very weird. Hello, you are from my childhood. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, other Christina, um, they started to come to our house and play Nevjunia a lot, and Christina and then my brother Will were the ones who really helped it blossom into something else altogether. We started planning what adventures we were going to go on before we went, and we would totally boss around the little children. And I mean, as you do as the eldest siblings. <laughs> always. Always. <laughs> so we would be in control of the story. We'd plan it out beforehand, and everybody going to Nevjunia, we played ourselves. But we created all of these elaborate characters who lived in Nevjunia and all of these different realms of the land, and, I mean, over time, they all had family trees. They had different... Of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. Always. Um, they had different languages, which was a lot of fun to develop. We had scripts. I hadn't learned how to write in Tingvar yet, which is, like, the Elvish script from Lord of the Rings. I mean, yes, I'm a nerd. <laughs> but, yeah, we had, like, we had a script that we wrote secret codes in. We, we made many, many maps. So yeah, Nevdrunia was, I mean, so much of it just exists in my head as this very real place. So do you want any, like, a example of an adventure we went on, or do you just want to get to Clarissa and the novel? Um, sure, yeah, a sample adventure sounds good. Alright, so, a sample adventure from Nevdrunia, let's see. Um, there was a number of times where we would go out, there's this repeat character, a princess named Anna Nanette. How do you spell that? A-N-N-A-N-E-N-E-T-T. A-N-N-A-N-E-N-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E. Yep. Yep. 
Okay, and this is because Nanette was my username on a forum where I wrote stories when I was, again, 12 and a half. Oh, boy. I had internet your, friends. <laughs> your parents let you um, let you do forums at 12 and a half? My parents did not. Yeah. I was lucky to have a Neopets. <laughs> my conservative homeschooling parents did let me onto forums to do role-playing games when I was 12 and a half. You know. I mean, it worked out okay. So. Hashtag Rackers Family things. Yes. <laughs> um... But we were going on adventures um, and saving Anna Nanette, who was a princess who lived in the realm. Um, and I think it was the actual realm of Nevdrunia itself. And she was a wizard. And normally Good. she was the one who was saving us because we would be almost eaten by dragons every other day. Good. Mostly on Thursdays. Okay. That's, that follows everyone's favorite trend in media, which is the overly competent woman saving the saving the good-hearted but sometimes inept protagonists. Mm-hmm. All of them, and they're all like eight to thirteen. Um, but this this one adventure that I remember very distinctly, uh, we were saving Anna Nanette because she had been captured, and there was this very involved story with potions and porcupines. And we had many woodland platypi? creatures. No, no platypi, no platypuses. <laughs> um, but we were on this journey to save her from the top of the tower. And the tower was our next door neighbors, the Rheinschmitz. And Bless their you. house... Yes, thank you. Um, there are sneezing jokes, by the way. I'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, um, anyway... Anna Nanette was stuck at the top of this tower that we had to save her from, and so the Reinschmidt's house grew before our very eyes. It was two stories tall, and it inched and squeaked and creaked and groaned and belched and burped and grew until it reached about 14 and a half stories tall. That half story is important because it was the portal into the rest of the tower, which if you got up to the 14th and a half story, the rest of the tower grew, and it looked, in my imagination, exactly like the tower for the Eye of Sauron. So it was, you know, Barad-dûr in Nefdrinia. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there were dragons up there, and so we had to journey through this labyrinth of, well, a labyrinth of dangers and magical creatures uh, mm -hmm. and riddles, very, very bad riddles that just, yeah, I mean, you know, we were all just telling each other jokes and laughing at it and calling it riddles. Oh, yeah. And that lasted for about half an hour, and then we continued on our adventure. Mm -hmm. um, up to save Anna and Annette, and it all ended with a magical sword fight. Um, Good. Flaming arrows, and a ride in a magic carpet. Of course. And we saved Anna and Annette and brought her back to where she could be the distinctly underage ruler of the kingdom. And happily ever after for that particular day. <laughs> Nice. Um, and, you know, it was a lot of me, Christina, and Will bossing around the younger children and trying to get them to, to play the game with us. But yeah. it, was, it was so much fun. I mean, these, like the tower that Anna Nanette was captured in, I remember in my imagination just as if it was a painting or something, right? It's just mm -hmm. so vivid. And there was just, the whole thing with Nevdrunia was I was young enough that I just had that pure joy of creation. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't old enough to know that I was just ripping off my favorite books. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to the novel part. It's really <laughs> ripping off. <laughs> but there was just such joy in it. And it's something that I really miss now as an adult and as an artist. Because it's very hard to always be under the pressure to be original. Oh God, that <laughs> as as we see on this podcast, your listeners, that is a topic for a whole other podcast. Uh -huh. <laughs> Probably several episodes of this other podcast that I keep referencing and not actually doing. Yes, I hate the tyranny of it originalism. Is, yes, that that's a very good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Because I know I've talked with um, some of my fellow creators on from Twitter and from other media just about how how difficult it is to, like, create something that you spent so much time working on, and then, like, you put it into the world, and then everyone is, oh, well, this already looks like insert existing media here. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's difficult, but it's, it is possible to get yourself into the mind space of 
yes, like this thing is original and I made it myself. And yeah, there are probably some similarities to existing media out there, but that doesn't change that I made it and it's mine and I wasn't intentionally trying to be, to have similarities there. And I mean, especially when you're under the age of say 16 and you don't know what plagiarism <laughs> is, I think that's excusable. Yes, and it's it's very hard now knowing, you know, that I don't want to appropriate all of my favorite works to have quite that same freedom to just create a story as I did when I was a kid or as I do like if I still tell stories to little children like they don't care if I'm totally ripping off Narnia. Yeah, I don't know. And you know, if it's something that I'm not doing to try to be part of my business or anything, there can just be so much joy and fun in that. Mm -hmm. Basically, I'm describing the joys of fan fiction right now. And <laughs> and it's also important like because like in having that same like child like not childlike but the time the passions that are more common and conventional when you are a kid in just creating things for the joy of creating them that also applies to like I'm willing to bet that if you told your your youngest sister a story but then you like worked in characters from her favorite books she'd just be really excited that her care that characters from her favorite books were there too oh, absolutely yes it's it's taking the joy in it's taking joy in those references those crossovers those shout outs mm -hmm. that like and like seeing things like i've seen lots of stuff on twitter like the adventure zone is obviously a very big deal in well in some circles of the internet a lot of which i run in and like seeing like professional artists like putting references in the TV show We Bear Bears to oh look there is Taco uh, Magnus and Merle as player tokens in this game, it's like being able to show your appreciation appreciation through those little shoutouts and interjections and like background details that also can be fun and helpful too. Mm -hmm. And sometimes an even more obvious just like ripping off an entire plotline or something which I did a lot of when I was younger, and it helped me grow a lot. It's just like, as an art student, you'll go to museums and do copy work uh, from the masters. And master studies. Master studies, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, we had the same classes. <laughs> we had the same classes, and words are hard sometimes. Um, but you learn so much about technique, and just by kind of putting yourself into some other artist's shoes for a while, and I really think this is one of the reasons why Nevjunia, both the game, uh, where we just totally ripped off our favorite stories, and the horrible novel that I wrote when I was 13, why that was so formative for me and why mm -hmm. it's still something I come back to all the time is I just had complete freedom and I had friends who went along with it mm -hmm. and we just created and we made stories and we just got lost in the beauty of that. Oh yeah, that is... I, I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, I'm going to wrap up this tangent real quick yeah. so we can get back to the fun stuff. But um, the whole focusing on copying from the masters without plagiarizing is, and then like being so focused on others' work is a big issue that I have with a lot of modern day art education, especially at like levels of higher education that at least in, I can't speak exactly to Shaylin's experience in college, but at, um, but my experience in college was there was a lot of focus put on on learning about others' work and not as much creating your own work for the sake of creating it. And in going through job applications and things, like, I've always found that, like, the stuff that I created, like, just for myself because I was passionate about it, as opposed to, like, submitting master work or master studies that I did for a class. Like, the things that you do that you're passionate about that you create yourself are almost always going to be more well-received than the things that you had to copy from someone else's existing work because you were told to. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that uh, overly analytical uh, <laughs> take on academia for arts in the United States aside... <laughs> welcome to the life of two previous art students. <laughs> yes, welcome to the life of two uh, previous honors art students. Honors art students, yes. We were the overachievers in every possible way. <laughs> Almost every possible way. <laughs> Almost every possible way. We didn't overachieve in numbers of in numbers of hours of sleep. No, we did not. Not at all. <laughs> Since you've mentioned like the princess Anna Nanette mm -hmm. and Anna Nanette. Sorry, Anna Nanette. 
and Clarissa? Clarissa. Clarissa. We have to be overly pedantic when we're 13 years old. Yes, of course you do. Um, do you want to talk for a little bit about some of the characters that you have, uh, of, this, of some of the people that existed in Nevjournia before we go into the novel talk? Okay, so most of the characters really did care, most of the most important characters carried over into the novel. Um, each of us playing in Nevjournia had our own character who was basically ourselves, and sometimes we had other names and sometimes we didn't, but we were always young children going through a portal into Nevjournia. Um, and then we would meet some of the stock characters would be wizards, fairies, elves. There were lots of elves, fawns, uh, dragons, mm -hmm. dolphins, talking porcupines, talking horses, talking animals of every kind, um, talking trees. You can see that we read lots of fantasy when, oh, yeah. when we were younger. I am not shaming you for that. <laughs> Every now and then, um, would people... Would you like to see my bookshelf? <laughs> Every now and then, we would pull in just some random, like, oh, hey, there's airplanes in Nevdrunia today, um, stuff like that. That doesn't really relate to characters. Characters always had ridiculous names. So really, a lot of the names that I made up were just gibberish. We had the evil witch Espartha. The, you're laughing. She picked up. She picked up some of my papers that I printed out quotes from. I'm reading ahead. You're, she's reading ahead. No, I'm curious which parts because I'm not necessarily bringing all of those up. You may read that aloud. This is from the novel. I'll, I'll, I'll read that when we get to the novel. Okay. Okay. okay say, don't say, forget. Say this from the novel part. Is the tension building, dear listener? You'll have to wait ahead and see what that was. So some of the names that I would make up, at least, um, were just complete gibberish. There was Elmsworth who I believe that was the wizard, um, the evil witch Espartha, who was the villain of the novel as well. There were the halls of Oklamadian, and there were names like Lenaria, Anna uh, Nanette, Tremaine, Glanmere, uh, Mishaela, Yaziel, David, Marcel, David, yes, David, um, mm -hmm. Lachlan, Fiertanabri, we will get to this, no questions now, um, Remarian, who was another wizard, Lavender Rose Brown. I believe that's because I had just read Harry Potter. Although maybe those books hadn't come out yet. I'm not sure. But it, Lavender Rose Brown, her name is All Colors. Um, nice. Mm -hmm. So lots of, lots of funny, funny names. Okay. Do you remember any details about any of those characters? Before we get to, before we get to Clarice, like what mm -hmm. kind of like wizards were they? Like what was, what was the magic situation like? Oh, was, the magic was situation. It, was it a good magic, bad magic? Or was it like magic, magic's uh, moral alignment is determined by the people using it kind of a thing? Uh, the morality of the magic was completely determined by the people using it. Um, so everybody could use a little bit of magic in Nevdrunia. So the moment you went in, you could do a few basic things, like you can make a glowing ball of fire to be, well, not fire really, but just like a ball of light. So you always had light. You this had is, the light cantrip? This is because we all had flashlights. So we had to have a reason to have flashlights in Nevdrunia. So we all created okay. these glowing orbs of light. Um, but were, aside... Were they color-coded? Oh no, that would have been a great idea! <laughs> No, in my imagination, they were white. You'd have to ask the other kids what what they envisioned as well, because I get the sense that each of us lived in our own slightly different world of Nefjernia. If I felt like, you know, if, if I decided to make this my Mount Everest podcasting, I could interview your entire sibling roster You could interview, interview all seven of us, plus, plus Christina. She had... Um, she had some very involved characters. I think she did even more character building in the games than I did. Um, and a lot more development of the magic. She actually wrote some poetry about it, which was very impressive and had some I'll of it published. I'll have to talk to you about that. But yeah. I'll, I'll have to talk to you later. <laughs> um, but yes, magic wizards. Magic wizards. The magic was a little bit, like, it, it wasn't like in Harry Potter or something where people are training or learning how to do it. Really, some of the characters were magic and some were less magic. And we were the least magic because we had just come to Nevdrunia. We just, like, picked up a couple of cool new tricks, like making glowing orbs of light. Um, we definitely had some 
evil characters that had very intense kind of weather-based magic. So there was lots of lightning happening, um, lots and lots of lightning happening. Um, And then most of the good characters could fly. I'm not really sure why. I think it's because all of us want to fly. Yeah. You know? Um, But most of the adventures didn't rely a whole lot on the magic. It Mm -hmm. It was just a lot of going on different adventures, traipsing around the yard, pretending that the yard was a giant, like, eight-country-big land. <laughs> yeah. So, you did mention dragons. Yes. Did any of you have pet dragons? Yes. We all had pet dragons. Nice. Only we didn't exactly earn the right to ride on the dragons. We more just found dragons and said, hey, you're awesome. I want to fly on you. And then we had a few adventures where we would just fall off the dragons or they would just like wander away at key points in the plot when we really needed them. This was a great way of having kind of like reverse deus ex machina where we just kind of needed something bad to happen so we could keep playing because we were out of ideas and so the Mm -hmm. dragons would just leave. Yeah. So the dragons are cats. The dragons are cats. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, we did have some very interesting creatures in Evgenia. For instance, um, we did have lots of fairies, and they were the teeny, teeny, tiny kind. So they could hide, like, inside of flowers is where okay. they slept. Mm-hmm. And they were very tiny, but they were very loud. Um, and the fairies, their way of greeting each other or saying goodbye was saying good flying to you. Because they were so tiny, they flew through the air. But the air in Nevdrunia was so heavy with magic that the birds actually swam through the air. Okay. So birds would greet each other by saying good swimming to you. Okay. <laughs> I'll roll with it. You'll roll with it? You know we were 13? Or yep. I was 13, the others are younger. It also sounds like something that might have been born out of summers in the Midwest. Summers in the Midwest is when all of this existed, Yes. <laughs> So, uh, since we've gotten that overview then of some of the characters, um, mm-hmm. do you want to kind of seg into how you made this into a novel? Well, I did mention I was like 12 and a half. Yes. This has become important as always because I got it in my head that I would do NaNoWriMo, which is... You were going to do NaNoWriMo at 12 and a half? Well, I did NaNoWriMo at 12 and a half. <laughs> It's horrible. It's the worst novel I've... It's the only novel I've ever written. It's a very but, bad novel. No, my my astonishment is that you were a dedicated enough 12 and a half year old that you committed to writing an entire novel and that you stuck with it through NaNoWriMo, which is very impressive. I stuck with it through NaNoWriMo. I got as far as... I think it was 150,000 words was the Oh my minimum. god. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but something like that. And I was like five words over the minimum, and I stopped mid-sentence that day. And then it took me another year to come back to it. But by then, I had learned how to be a good writer, and I was very discouraged um, and kind of sort of gave up on it over time, which is yeah. kind of sad to me now. Um, but, you know, I do have the full outline for the plot written in one of these little floral notebooks which is where most of mm-hmm. most of Nevdrunia existed um, as an, in novel form. Yeah. So yes, I wanted to do NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month in which you commit to writing a whole bunch every day. Like I was mm-hmm. writing for an hour and a half. Um, I had my first laptop and I spent forever on there. Yeah. And it started with me going, "Hey, I want to write a book, and this seems like a reasonable thing to want to do." And what story should I tell? Oh, I live in stories every day in Nevdrunia. I'm just going to write some Nevdrunian stories. And I just sat down with my little floral notebook and a pencil one day and just wrote and wrote and wrote and was very proud of myself and just kept writing. You wrote longhand. For the first part. And then I quickly realized that that hurt my hand and was very slow. But I, I wasn't good at typing. I learned to type because of this and because of the forum that I was on. Oh, wow. That's why I learned to type. And that's why I, I do touch type, but I don't, I don't do it correctly. But I, had, I realized for writing the novel, like, I needed characters. I couldn't just say, hey, we went to Nevdrunia today and this is what happened. Or at least, like, I didn't think that that's how it should go. You know, in... Sorry, I don't want to interrupt no, too, too much, but you could have gone the, the route of, like using first person, like, we, I, they did this. 
mm-hmm. if you had done it like in like an epistolary format. Oh. Part of me really wishes I had done that because I do have I do have quite a poor memory and so I have a hard time remembering the details of a lot of the adventures we went on, um, and some of my best records of the entire Nevjunian world come from this novel yeah. or the notes that I had written in my little notebooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the main protagonist of the Nevjunia story is Clarissa. Because when your real name is Shailen, you need another fancy name when you have a self-insert in a novel. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Clarissa. But she went by Claire. Yeah. Okay. And she is, get this, the oldest of only five children. Only five? So who'd you cut? Only five. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not going to ask you, know you that. No, no, no. My wanna... two youngest siblings weren't born yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so I guess I was the oldest of five at the time. Okay. <laughs> okay, yes, that's that's an important detail. Very much exactly like me, the oldest of five children. Um, and kind of one of the running themes throughout the novel as I was rereading the file that I've got just now, um, one of the continuing themes is really that she's just kind of uncomfortable in her own skin. She's very much a self-insert of a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like... Five seven and very big at 13. I stood, like, my shoulders were above the tops of the heads of all of my best friends. Yeah. And so Clarissa is also ridiculously tall um, and gets mistaken for a giant at one point, though to be fair, it was in a land of fairies, so everything's yeah. tiny there. Yeah, that's fair. That's <laughs> um, she was pretty spunky. She definitely loved to banter and make jokes, because um, mm-hmm. I've always been a lot more lucid in writing than in speaking. I have less of a tendency to trip over my words, and I so... Mean, you don't have to trip over your own, your own words when you have the undo button on your computer. Right? It's magic. What better magic is there than that? I want the undo button to just, like, trail behind me in Nevjunia, and then I go, oh, hey, I didn't like that part of the adventure. Undo! So... That's kind of like an overview of Clarissa. She's, among other things, she's a tomboy who loves wearing dresses, but always is tripping over them. Um, and she's never ridden a horse, which is very important when you're that age. Yes. And then the horse other... Mm-hmm. The other main character is Edmund, who has read up a dictionary. And to my supreme embarrassment to this day, um, most of his language in the book is sprinkled with words like horrid, Swell, I say, and uh, other such 1940s slang. Was Edmund just lifted straight out of Chronicles of Narnia? Well, hang on a second for that, because that's the first third of Nevdrunia. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because get this. Claire and Edmund are on summer vacation. Edmund's very lonely. He lives in the house next door all by himself. Well, not all, but there's adults in the house, obviously, but he's the only kid, and so he, he's very lonely. And they're on summer vacation, mm-hmm. and they decide to go exploring in the <coughs> attic, where they find a door carved with vines um, that opens onto a solid brick wall. Shay, please don't carve vines into our front door. <laughs> it's very tempting. Or maybe just Gandalf's little rune. Don't do that either. <laughs> I don't want to get charged with property damage. Um, so, thinking back, I realize now that this door opening onto a wall is a legit thing in some houses. Like, if, oh, yeah. If there's... Coraline. Yeah, like Coraline. But no, like if there's supposed to be a porch, but it's never been built... So I must have seen this at some point, and it really, it's stuck in my mind, and so this was in the book. Um, And they find an old key, and they're in this attic, and they are trying to figure out what's behind this door. They open it, it's a brick wall. Later, Claire comes back and opens the door and is in Nevergenia. And the entry is exactly like the entry into Narnia. And guess what? She meets a random man in the woods... (laughs) Yes. Is his name Tom? No, his name is Tremaine. <laughs> okay. So, you know, pretty close to Tomness. Yeah. And, oh, and he does go by Mr. Tremaine. And uh, as you do, apparently, in Magical Lands, she goes back um, to, <laughs> she goes back to, like, this cave where he's living in with, like, 40 other humans who are trying to escape the evil witch Espatha. Okay. And so we get 
uh, seven pages of info dumping through dialogue. Sheila, you're trouble half. I'm not going to drag you for that. <laughs> I would drag you for that if you were doing that now as a 20-something, but I wasn't going to drag you for it at 12 and a half. Single spaced pages. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, really, it's basically Narnia up to this point. She goes back to the real world and discovers that, oh, hey, no time has passed in the real world. Edmund doesn't believe her. And then later, they've got some adventures in the real world that consist of them bickering. Um, and then they go back through this magical door, and they wind up in the land of Nevdurnia. And really, the novel was written without a plan at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a flow of thought. Um, and so I was reading it over. So much of it. It's, it just exists as a movie in my head, in my memory. Yeah. Um, like, an elaborate daydream. <laughs> kind of the kind that mixes with memory and reality. And now, reading back over it, I have a very hard time remembering what the plot was supposed to be. Because the novel certainly doesn't tell me what the plot was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. That happens, when you're, that happens when you're 12 and a half and writing a novel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, a lot of it was very childish and a complete ripoff of Narnia in the beginning. There are fawns. There are dryads. Um, there's the evil witch. There's bad guys. There are the Ulteal Malus. And, Spell that, please. U-L-T-I-O-M-A-L-U-S. Uh, They're basically the Urukai of, okay. Nev- of Nevdrinia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, of course. So the Ultiu Malus because ultimate bad? Yes, you got it. Congratulations. <laughs> hey, I'm Catholic. I know a little bit of Latin. <laughs> a little bit of Latin. I studied Latin. That's probably where I got it from. <laughs> so... Uh, they go on this whole adventure that changes a lot as you go along. There's this sword called the Balmung, which gives the evil witch Ispatha her magical powers. Okay. And there is a rhyming couplet prophecy poem, which the children find, which very conveniently describes exactly them. Yes, of course. And they have to go on an adventure where, for convenient purposes... Because of the prophecy, they're the only ones who can solve this whole problem. Of that's, course, they're the main characters. Mm-hmm, that's cursing Nevdrunia. There was a lot of like massacre and carnage in this book, actually, that I wasn't, I didn't remember happening. Okay. So, you um, know, Nevdrunia is not in an eternal winter. They're just like all being killed. Yeah. Um, you did say though that Narnia was the first third of Nevdrunia. What mm-hmm. are the other two thirds? The other two thirds are a lot more original, I guess. Um, a lot more based off of the adventures that we had gone on. So mm-hmm. they start gathering this gang of 13 year olds. This keeps popping up. All of the characters are 13. Hey, so, 13 is a really pivotal age when you're growing up because it's like 13 is when you get to like, it's when you start usually right around when you start puberty so it's like when you get to be a teenager you get to go be an adult mm-hmm. or what seems like an adult when you're you know under 13 yes <laughs> or when you're 12 and a half and 13 is old yes um so they started going on this journey all across the land um, and gathering this gang of children as they went. So it's Clarissa, who's me, mm-hmm. and Edmund, who's Edmund from Narnia. And then they gather up Anna Nanette, who is the princess who is intended to become the heir to the throne, though she doesn't know it yet at the time. Of course. Mm-hmm. They have a friend who you never actually see. She just exists in these letters that she leaves around in various locations that they conveniently find written in the script that my friends and I had developed in the games of Nevdrunia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's Lavender Rose Brown, whose name is All Colors. And some of the code that she writes in uses colors for the letters. Um, I realize now that this is synesthesia stuff because that's the thing I do, my brain does. But at the time, it just was like a cool cipher that nobody else like got. Like it didn't make sense to other people. So it was so mm-hmm. special and it was in my novel. Oh yeah. Um, but that's why her name is All Colors. Um, they have a parakeet who is a carrier pigeon who... Oh my god, that's so cute. Uh-huh. So the parakeet, um, 
I forget its name, but it belongs to Lavender Rose Brown. And so the the carrier parakeet delivers them all of these letters that help them along their way on their journey mm-hmm. to destroy the Balmung and overthrow Ispatha. Um, and, but the parakeet likes to make a lot of jokes and okay. very lame jokes and knock-knock jokes and that, that exists in this story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have another, some of the rest of the cast of characters is Yaziel, who is a wolf friend of theirs who... The wolves are supposed to be like a like bad character. Like all of the wolves are supposed to be bad guys. Only they discover this one who is not a bad guy and is kind of trying to convert some of the other wolves into like goodness. Okay. <laughs> and is fairly successful at it, but then there's this whole <coughs> issue with a betrayal um, in which almost everybody dies, but none of them actually die. Um so they're they're gathering this group of friends with them. There's David, who's a young boy, saddled by um, by pain and a sorrowful past. And um, is this what is this the quote you were talking about? Yes. Okay, she's gonna read a quote about David. Quoth Shaylin's story. There is a very very long pause, hostile and sorrowful on David's part. David was just hostile and sorrowful. I mean, that trends a lot of the Davids that I know about in fiction. <laughs> I mean, e- way- even biblical David was hostile and sorrowful <laughs> at some was. point. So The way that David let the other children know that he was their friend is he made them a bunch of deadly arrows. And he didn't talk much, so he gave people arrows. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um... We yeah, have... That sounds like dating material right there. Date someone who will give you weapons. <laughs> who will give you weapons. Magical arrows that do exciting things, like accidentally set off fireworks in the middle of the night, alerting the Oteo Malus as to your location. Another character. <laughs> another character is Marcel, a tiny fairy. And then we have the porcupines, who journey with them for about half the time. And these are Michaela and Ted. Nice. All of the guys apparently have normal names, and everyone else has very interesting names. Oh, yeah. Um, We have an (laughs) elf named Yanaria, and then another friend who comes with them along most of the journey is the horse, Fiertanabri. Okay. I I have a guess at what their name means? It's horse-ish. Horse-ish? The language... Also, Fiert is a uh, German for horse. So, Fiert and Avery, because it sounds Shout like... Shout a horse? <laughs> no. different languages? <laughs> it's just horseish. I just made it up. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on to reading quotes from the novel of Nevdrunia? <laughs> um, not, not particularly. I mean, Nevdrunia just was this world that existed in so many different forms for me, and I know it was very formative for some of my friends, too. Um, I was not the only one who wrote stories about it, although I was the only one who wrote novels. (laughs) Um, And the whole experience of writing all of this, I illustrated much of the book as well. Um, And you did an illustration fairly recently from it, which I think is probably still up on your Instagram. It's still on my Instagram and my website and everything. Talk about that at the end. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll read the first real quickly. I don't know if this counts. Um, I can read you the summary in a very dramatic tone of voice. Yes, dramatic readings are always good. All right, so this is the summary that I found at the front of the Word document where I typed Nevdrunia. And none of the actual plot of the novel that follows in this Word document has anything to do with the summary. But the summary is... While playing pirates in a deserted attic, Quirky Claire and Shy Edmund stumble upon a mysterious door. On the other side, they find a land ridden with wonder and danger, friendship and enmity, and rumors of the the Balmung, an evil sword that gives power to the corrupted ones, like Espatha. Claire and Edmund are unwittingly thrown into the middle of a conspiracy to undermine a witch's power. The conspiracy evolves into a quest to find the legendary seeing masks which are never, ever mentioned again. (laughs) And the fate of the world could rest in the hands of four young children. Only later there were like six children and porcupines. 
Yep. <laughs> my tracks. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Do you want to do quotes? Because otherwise I'll just get giggles. Yes. Okay. Quote time. Okay. All right. So this is from at the beginning of the book. Clarissa is telling Edmund about a magical world. And off the top of her head, she just comes up with the name Nevdronia. This is before they've entered the real world of Nevdronia. So it took Claire a few minutes of thinking of a name. And then she said, how about Nevdronia? Edmund was impressed. That's a nice name, he said. Swell. How did you cook it up? <laughs> How did you cook it up? What do you mean, cook it up? Did you want it scrambled? I'm sorry, but my magic names come only hard-boiled, she said. Ugh, you know what I mean. That's Edmund. Okay, yes, I do. I don't know how I thought it up. It just popped into my mind. It seemed almost as if it were... Real? Edmund offered. Yes. Real. <laughs> it seems almost as if the author wanted to be called that. <laughs> God, let me do one. Let me do one. Okay, okay. Um, do you want to do the one about okay? Okay? Anna questioned. Claire looks startled. Yeah. No, what is okay? The fact that I am going back home. Huh? Mr. Tremaine interrupted. She means that she does not know what okay means, Claire. As they walked back through the forest, Claire tried to explain what okay, abbreviated okay, meant. <laughs> it means fine or good. Okay, so okay sounds like two letters. What does it stand for? Anna asked. Stand for? Yes, what is O for and what is K for? I, I don't know. Come, Anna pressed. Of course you do. No, I don't, okay? That's not right. Claire was com was entirely bewildered. What's not right? You said, I do, I do not know, okay? But when you said that, okay did not mean fine or good like you said it meant. Who's on first? Yes, I thought it was Perfect. very funny. <laughs> we, have, we have another interesting part. So in another part of the novel, the children go to the land of the giants. I don't think I have this written down there. Um, but the children go to the land of the giants um, for an adventure where they eventually get frozen into stone and then get unfrozen. But the land of the giants is called Lachlan. And the capital of Lachlan is Aklu. And so there's like three pages of sneezing jokes in which one character says Aklu in Lachlan, the giant's land, and the children from the real world go, God bless you. <laughs> another bit. Um, Edmund stopped and stared at the door with wide eyes. Remaining completely stationary, his eyes looked back at Claire. She ruined the magical moment by poking fun at him. And our little hero stared wide-eyed at his friend standing before him. He realized that he had been right, that she had been right all along, and got down on his hands and knees to beg for her forgiveness. She motioned for him to open the door, and he walked through it, amazed. She said grandiloquently. <laughs> Edmund glared at her. Say sorry, then open the door, Claire said. <laughs> it was a mark of the importance of the moment that Edward, that Edmund did not blow up at her. <laughs> Grandiloquently. There are many words such as grandiloquent, supercilious, surreptitious, um, every multisyllabic word. I was a thesaurus. There's a reason you why are a thesaurus. I am a thesaurus. And there is a reason why Edmund was called the walking dictionary because he used many, many big words. Got any other uh, final thoughts before I ask? The final question. Final thoughts. Hmm. Nevdrinia is still alive. Every now and then, I still take my littlest siblings out to Nevdrinia, even though we're in a new house now and we've had to discover a new way to get into it. Mm. Oh, okay, that's so cute. <laughs> so... Shaylin, thank you so much for uh, walking the six feet from your bedroom into my recording studio slash desk area to record this episode. Absolutely no problem, though you know in my imagination it was far longer than six feet, and it was much more like an endless chasm of the abyss that I had to jump over in my swing. Our house is nicer than that. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a very nice place. We do. Okay, so Shaylin, um, 
again, thank you for being on the show. Um, thank where you for can, having me. You're welcome, as always. Um, where can people find you on the internet, social media, if you want to be found? All right, so I'm mostly found as Shaylin Ann, S-H-A-Y-L-Y-N-N-A-N-N, um, and that's my website, which kind of is a landing page for all my other things. Um, I do illustrations, and then I also have an Etsy shop where I sell handmade fairy tale jewelry. And, it's fantastic. And it's Shaylin's Fairy Shop, and because I started my Etsy shop right about this same time that I was writing Nevdrunia. Of course, my name is not spelled normally. It's spelled Shaylin, like Shaylin. Uh, so just go to shaylinand.com and then have good luck finding all of my other sites from there. That's really the best way to do it. And uh, if anyone's interested in seeing uh, pictures from this, um, Shaylin, you're probably going to be having some that you can put up on your Instagram. Yes, I will get some scans up on Instagram and then maybe some goodies for your show notes. The Home for Wayward OCs can be found on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Our theme song is Violet by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. New episodes come out on the second and fourth Mondays of the month. If you'd like to get in touch, we can be found on Twitter at WaywardOCPod or through the WaywardOCPod hashtag. You can also email us at WaywardOCPod at gmail.com. We are always looking for guests to talk about their original characters, and... Um, I've got a crazy schedule coming up in the next couple of weeks, and then it's going to start getting crazy at work, but our pool of guests that we have booked is starting to run out, so if you or someone you know uh, might be interested in being on the show, um, please drop us a line. Um, and since we are still uh, a fairly new podcast, I guess you could say, um, it is always, always, always super helpful if you can subscribe and rate us on your listening platform of choice, recommend us to a friend because that helps us find more guests and brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been the Home for Wayward OCs, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. You come into this? My house? <laughs> My house, too. <laughs> Our house. Our house. <laughs>